Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, and indeed, Dr. Marissa Charles is here, sitting right next to me in our studio, six feet apart, and uh, we've been masked, we've been doing everything we should be doing, sharing, uh, oh, this is a brand new bottle of germicide here, uh, put four-plus hand sanitizer. More and more people have gotten into the business now of Absolutely. hand sanitizers, but as a physician, you, you are quite used to Washing your hands frequently. Absolutely. No, but, you know, you wash your hands going in to see a patient and coming out. Of course, we use alcohol-based sanitizers quite a bit as well. Now, there's no secret it's summertime. In fact, uh, here in the San Antonio area, up in Dallas as well, temperatures nearing 100, topping 100. We have a a week's worth of 100-plus degree days, and uh, we're in luck. We have someone joining us from Wellman at Carrollton up near Dallas with USMD, uh, Dr. Nanda Bassani who is a uh, physician there, earned her medical degree at the Medical College of Ohio in Toledo, Ohio. Her internal medicine residency was through the University of Illinois College of Medicine in Chicago. Dr. Bassani lives in Irving, Texas, with her husband and their dog. Well, I'm glad. That's cool. They enjoy spending time with family. They have two grown sons, and she reads for hobbies, novels, rides bikes, and boating. And Dr. Bassani, you're at risk of being a role model for your patients in terms of getting out there and exercising. Good for you. Welcome to WellMed Radio. Thank you. It's really nice to have you on, and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And uh, Dr. Uh, Charles is here as well. Uh, We like reaching out and talking to our colleagues up in Dallas, uh, because although the markets are somewhat similar, uh, Dallas uh, and and, uh, environs are uh, a lot more... uh, less uh, than, than San Antonio, a lot different. You've got all kinds of uh, populations up in Dallas, which uh, makes it interesting uh, as a provider. That's true. Yeah, we have different populations, and each little suburb's a little different. And they've got a deli or two, which we don't have down here in San Antonio, <laughs> which I, I sure wish we had. <laughs> so, Dr. Bassani, it, it is summertime. I don't have to tell you that. All you have to do is look right. outside. Uh, does heat and summer pose special risks for people who are 65 and over? Oh, certainly. I mean, um, CDC, there's, you know, heat-related deaths and illnesses that are preventable. Like over 600 people in the United States are killed by extreme heat. So, and being in Dallas, as you said, you know, it's triple digits and, um, and it's really hard on the older population, especially with some of them being on, you know, diuretics or water pills, and so they can get dehydrated quite easily. In fact, I hadn't thought about that. I'm, I'm on uh, uh, Eliquis, a, uh, a, a diuretic. Also, what? I take Lasix. Eliquis is a blood thinner, so I'm both a blood thinner right. uh, and a diuretic. So me going out and hanging out in uh-huh. the sun, probably not a good idea. Certainly. I mean, you should stay. I mean, if you're going to do any outdoor activities, which, you know, we do encourage, especially with the pandemic and and sheltering in place, to go early, early in the morning or late in the evening when it's at least cooled down. 
try to wear light clothing and, you know, stay in the shade as much as possible. That's very interesting. And that's true, Dr. Bassani. Um, can you think of um, any other um, risks that we're seeing, especially right now as we're trying to see our patients? I mean, I think people are um, at risk, especially with, you know, sheltering in place. Uh, I know that some of my patients here in Carrollton have struggled to keep their AC on, and they we encourage them to, you know, reach out to their utilities. And usually there's some kind of relief program. I know I've signed several letters to let the electric company know that, yes, this patient is at risk and they need to have their electric, you know, continue to be on. So I think that's uh, consideration. And then if you are on diuretics like, you know, uh, Lasix, uh, you need to talk to your physician to see how much water or fluids you can take because it's usually not a restriction on fluid. It's it's the salt that's the restriction if you're on Lasix. But again, you know, talk to your primary care physician so they can give you the advice that's pertinent to your health care. I need to get into a 12-step salt program. I am a saltaholic, doctor. <laughs> and I grew up, part of it is growing well, up. As a kid, yeah. when I was growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, we had, uh, almost like in the movies, we had dinner every night, the whole family, sit around the table, and prominent mm-hmm. on the table at both ends were salt and pepper shakers. And as, uh, uh, you know, we grabbed whatever it was for dinner, the first thing most of us did was salt it. Before you even B- tried before it. Before yeah. we even tried it. And, and that is a habit I am, I am trying to break. And every time my PCP looks me in my beady brown eyes and says, so how are you doing on the salt thing? <laughs> mm-hmm. How's mm-hmm. that salt thing coming? Well, it really does have to do with desensitization because your taste buds will start to react better once you cut out the salt and you'll start to notice flavors in the food that you hadn't even paid attention to for so long because all you're tasting is salt. <laughs> so, uh, that's true. so uh, Dr. Bassani, what is it that salt does to yeah. us? Um, I mean, I, when I explain to a patient, it's sort of like um, a sponge. You know, it makes you, like, keep your, the fluids in your body. So for somebody that needs to be cautious about, you know, fluid overload, I mean, I know we're talking about summer heat and not being dehydrated, but, you know, like um, most people are on diuretics or water pills because, they can't have the extra fluid in their body. It can affect your blood pressure. It can, you know, potentially have the consequences like congestive heart failure. So um, the salt will help if you are dehydrated to maintain that fluid balance. That's why, you know, athletes you know, drink those... Um, um, like the power electrolytes. drinks or the electrolytes. Right, like the mm-hmm. blood, right. So it's better not to get dehydrated and maintain, you know, shade and cool weather. What's in Gatorade? Cool environment. What do they put in Gatorade? I have no idea. Electrolytes like sodium and... um, Which would be salt. Right, right. So, Dr. Mm -hmm. Bassani, um, when we think about heat-related illness, what are some of the symptoms that somebody who's maybe Mm -hmm. been outside in the heat for a little while may start to experience, like, in the milder symptoms versus more severe. Right. So obviously, you know, most people are aware of like sunburns and even in blisters and sun rashes, which, you know, could be bad and painful and and affect your long-term care for your skin. But the other stuff, you know, early signs are like heat cramps and, you know, heavy sweating. 
um, muscle cramps happen, but then, you know, it can get worse. It can get into heat exhaustion, which, you know, you might be sweating heavily or turn pale and clammy, um, nausea, vomiting, you know, those are like slowly upping the game. If you're starting to experience that, you really need to seek a cool place and start sipping on water. But then, you know, can go further and get into like, um, heat stroke which, you know, can be quite dangerous. You know, that's when you get nausea and confusion and might even pass out. So you, you hopefully don't get into that, but you know, that's where it becomes quite dangerous and you can end up in the hospital. I was going to say, when do you know you need to be in the hospital or when should someone know uh, that the person they're with needs to go to the hospital? Well, I mean, definitely if they're uh, looking like they're going to pass out or, or they're confused and nauseous, I mean, then you really have to seek, you know, medical care. But if you're a bystander or somebody, a family member that sees that, you know, getting them to a cool place and um, laying them down is important. Um, in terms of giving them water, it depends. You know, if they've already, like, lost consciousness or confused, you don't want to give them water at that point because they can actually choke on it. But you want to, you know, maybe just put some cool rags on and call for help. Um, but, you know, putting, cooling them down is, would be the first thing you want to think about. So 911 would be a call you might make. Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If, you know, I mean, once you call them, then you can keep them cool. That's, that's the way to go. Now, there are a lot of other issues involved in, uh, in being outdoors. Some, of course, involve uh, the kind of animals and insects. Uh, we come in contact with, mm-hmm. and I assume among your patient population, you've got a patient or two who may be allergic to bee stings. Yes. I mean, so, yeah, in the summer months, you know, you, you hopefully you know your allergies for, like, bee stings and stuff, but you should be wearing light clothing in a way which would prevent, you know, insect bites. But, um, but I would also be worried about um, just sunburn, I think, People think that you have to use sunscreen and they don't like that. But, you know, light clothing and covering works just as well as using creams and lotions that you have to reapply. And hats for those of us who are hair challenged. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Well, the the hats are a good idea for everybody. That's true. Yeah. My my little girl, uh, eight-year-old girl, asked me the other day, Daddy, why do they call them fire ants? And I said, well, all you got to do is, is be attacked by one, and you'll know. And you'll know. It's very, very right. painful. Now, have they gotten up to Dallas? I don't know. I know they're in San Antonio. They're moving north. Um, I think so. Um, I believe so. I, there, there's some in, I mean, I don't know. The um, well, new thing when I moved down, because I'm from Illinois and Ohio, and right. sugars was like a different thing down here in the south, so I had to learn about that. So I know that we have a, a bunch of that going on here. You do not so. want to step on a fire ant mound. Right. And for seniors with uh, summertime coming, uh, we were talking, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Charles and I, uh, last week about uh, flu season beginning in just a couple of months and being sure you get vaccinated uh, for flu, yeah. uh, which is totally unrelated uh, to what can or can't be done for the COVID-19 uh, coronavirus. Right. When do you recommend that your patients uh, in, in Carrollton uh, Dr. Bassani, get their flu vaccine? Well, you know, uh, typically without the pandemic and with coronavirus being a thing, I usually tell people to, you know, do it in late September, October, preferably. But, you know, lately I've been sort of 
changing my mind, and I don't know if Dr. Charles has um, an opinion on this. I am worried that some of my patients are not going to be getting out too much. I said the first time you, you know, if you see that the flu vaccine is being um, given out, go ahead and get it. I think it's important to make sure that you're immunized against flu because that's going to increase your um, chances of getting COVID if you happen to, you know, get in contact with that. And it definitely would be a... Uh, a harder fight to be infected with flu and COVID. So I've been telling my patients, as soon as you hear that it's out in the pharmacies, if we get it, no, so get it as soon as possible is what I've been telling people. And Hold that thought. We're going to come right mm-hmm. back to both of you. I'm Ron Aaron. Our very special guest up in Dallas at the uh, USMD at Carrollton Clinic is Dr. Nandia Bassani. Uh, Dr. Marissa Charles, our co-host here on WellMed Radio at 930 AM, The Answer. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Well, thank you so much for being with us right here on WellMed Radio at 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Marissa Charles, our co-host, is here in our WellMed Radio studios. And we're talking about summer heat and summer ailments, talking about uh, not only stroke and uh, heat stroke and issues that can affect people, but we're getting an update from Dr. Nanda Bassani. Nanda Bassani. Nanda Bassani, got it. I got the Bassani down pat. It's the easy part. (laughs) It's the Nanda part I'm working on. She's with USMD up in... uh, Carrollton, right outside of Dallas. And Dr. Bassani, what led you into medicine? Oh, wow. It's been a while to think about that. I guess in the beginning, you know, I, I was always so a science nerd, and so I wanted to do something in biology, and I actually started out as a microbiologist. And then, um, you know, got as close to a PhD without doing it as saturation as possible, and then I decided um, I, I really wanted to be more involved in practical, like, medicine so that's why i went back to medical school that's so interesting doc yeah and you yeah. Grew, you grew up near the university of illinois uh-huh yeah i went to university of illinois for a, as an undergraduate did a master's there and got into phd when my husband was in tennessee um like i said i got as close to getting a phd done as i could possibly do without getting the dissertation and then i went back to medical school after having kids, I don't know if that was like the wow. best way to go, but it's the way it worked out. So you're another one of those ABT, all but your dissertation, yeah, ABDs. Exactly. Right. What was mm-hmm. that in microbiology? Uh huh. In microbiology and um, um, in in uh, gene mapping and stuff. That's interesting stuff. Yeah. And gene mapping, of course, when it comes to tracking down viruses, becomes pretty important. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting with what's going on now with 
with the coronavirus and the mRNA and, and when I hear people talk about it, like I it frustrates me when it's like it's this is science, this is not political. Right. So, I, I know. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel it drives that. me absolutely nuts that you would politicize, yeah. for example, wearing a mask or you would right. politicize testing which doesn't increase uh-huh. the disease. It tracks where it is and lets you exactly. know what you can do. It's got to be right. frustrating for, uh, I know, for both you and for Dr. Charles. So what do we do about it? We educate kids. I guess that's the best thing you can do is the next generation. Right. I, I hope so. I hope that, you know, with this break in people's education with homeschooling, that, you know, people get on board and really look at the science behind it and see how important it is for, you know, worldwide health, you know? Well, I can guarantee you, uh, elementary school teachers have a friend in me. Whatever they pay them, it's not enough. <laughs> they need to pay them more. <laughs> That's true. Now wow. that we're all having to, to do a little bit of that, I think we all appreciate everything that the school teachers uh, had been doing for us. Yes. So I was thinking, uh, while we've been talking about uh, heat stroke, I was thinking about stroke. Uh, because uh, mm-hmm. I know so many people who, who have relatives uh, of varying ages who have had strokes. And I don't know if it's that we're getting better at diagnosing and, and identifying strokes, but it seems to me that uh, there is an increasing number. I say that anecdotally. I, I have no data on that. And I don't know, Dr. Charles, what you're seeing in your practice. Well, of course, we definitely see um, a significant amount of patients that come in with stroke and stroke-like symptoms. You know, I think we have gotten a little bit better at prevention in, you know, that we're having patients taking their statins. We're having, you know, the ones that are able to tolerate it, and that does reduce um, the the risk of stroke. I think um, it depends a lot on the age population and then all the risk factors and, you know, high blood pressure, statins diabetes. Statins to fight cholesterol. Statins to fight cholesterol do reduce the risk of stroke, and those are very important for our patients to be taking. And what are you seeing at mm-hmm. uh, up in Carrollton, Dr. Bassani? Um, I, I, yeah, I think you know I'm I'm actually in geriatrics. I see mostly 65 and older, so I think it's a very important thing. I mean, I'm always having to re-educate people that you know prevention is the thing, and in fact, to doctor. Dr. Charles said, I mean, statins are very important, and somehow, at least in this area, I've gotten sort of a bad rapid, like, oh, no, it causes, you know, this and that and liver failure. I'm like, well, before your liver dies, you're at more risk of a stroke. And, and stroke really, or heart attack. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't give you something that, you know, no, nothing is 100% safe. I'm not saying that, but, you know, your risk of stroke is much greater than the the side effects of the medication. Well, it's some of the popular um, quasi-medical columnists who often talk about you can eliminate your statins simply by changing your diet, and that will uh, reduce your cholesterol. Uh, I don't believe there are any double-blind studies that show that. Well, I mean, there's certainly, you know, a population of patients that uh, can reduce their diet. I mean, if you are, you know, the classic, I'm going to pick on the Midwestern, since I grew up there, you know, bacon and eggs and steak, yeah, they, you can make a big impact on your diet and change. But, you know, there's a, a, a big population that no matter what they do, they can't fight their genetics. There is definitely a genetic component. Yeah. Uh, I was weaned on bacon, egg, and steak. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's not right? too far from the standard American diet. That um, and a bagel and cream yeah. cheese. 
Exactly. There you are. Right. There you are. So, you know, working towards more, um, you know, plant-based, you know, trying to do more vegetables, just, and you don't have to be a vegetarian. You can just increase the amount of vegetables and, and fruits that you're eating and whole grains if you're going to have those um, to help improve your uh, cholesterol readings. But it still doesn't help as much as being on the statin as far as protection and reduction in the actual amount of strokes that people get. Yeah. When you look at the way we ought to eat, and people often cite the Mediterranean diet uh, as an example of a, a standard thing to look at, or those who are diabetic, the kind of diet that uh, is recommended for someone with diabetes. Part of the challenge is uh, who's going to cook that for you if you don't have the background experience and the time to learn to do that, uh, or the money to buy one of these prepaid meal packages. Uh, how do we get people uh, to alter, alter the way they're eating without expend, spending enormous amounts of money to make that happen? How do we do that? Well, I think you can keep it simple if you ask me. I mean, I think um, uh, just, you know, the, there's some recent studies, and I don't know the names off the top, but it's not like you have to do you know, like Dr. Charles said, you don't have to be a vegetarian. You just have to increase your plant-based diet 10%. So that might mean, you know, eat your salad first before you eat your meal. It, um, eat some broccoli. You, you know, put some green on, on your on your plate. So it doesn't have to be, you know, learn new dishes or anything. You You can keep it simple and still increase the vegetable content in your diet. And most vegetables, you can just steam them and then just season very lightly. Um, you don't mm -hmm. have to be doing, like like you said, very complicated recipes. Um, we talk a little bit about the plate method as well, where if you try to get half of your plate to be some sort of a fresh vegetable or, um, you know, and steamed, fresh, cooked, raw, I mean, whichever way that you prefer them. But if you can have half mm -hmm. of your plate have, you know, some kind of a vegetable and some fruit on there, you're going to do a little bit better. Just that alone. Doesn't leave a lot of room for meat. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> That's the point, yeah. So well, there's plates. a study called the volumetric diet. Like people ask me, how do you diet? I'm like, you don't really diet. You have to think about portion sizes. Fill your stomach, but fill it with vegetables first so there's not that much room for, you know, your steak and eggs, which you can still have in certain portions. You just have to get your stomach to feel full. So if you eat a bunch of broccoli or salad beforehand, you'll mm -hmm. feel full. Mm -hmm. Years ago, talking with one of my kids at uh, at dinner, and I, I, I grew up, as many of us did, in a household where you had to be a member of the Clean Plate Club, mm. uh, as if we saved a starving kid in China right. if you didn't eat that food, mm -hmm. uh, which I never really bought into. But I didn't do a bad job of cleaning that plate. <laughs> so I remember saying to one of my kids the other day, because, you know, I'm a product of how I was brought up. I, I, said, I said, Reagan, you haven't finished. And she said, well, you know, Dad, when you're full, you're done. That's a very mm -hmm. good thing to learn. Wow. A very good thing that to teach. That's what incredible. a concept. What a right? concept. When you're full, you're yeah. done. Because many of us uh, literally eat past that meter we have. There, there is a... A built-in meter that says, okay, yeah. you're done. But you uh -huh. can eat right through that. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, there's yeah. so many reasons why people eat that have nothing to do with hunger. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. you have to sometimes target some of those, some of those things as well. Because it's not like you're not eating the brownie because you're hungry. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> 
or the quart of ice cream. Right, right. Yeah. But if you buy a skinny cow, you can eat four of those. <laughs> right? Yeah. That would be a no. That would be a no. So, Dr. Bassani, we've got about a minute left. As you think about the patients with whom you work, uh, mm-hmm. we live in a state where uh, we have a lot of obese people. It's the nature of, of mm-hmm. today's society. How do you encourage them to begin to get control of their weight? Well, I mean, some of it is, to me, like mind tricks or retraining your brain. Like, you know, like you're, they've learned, you know, when you're full, you push yourself away from the table. But sometimes, you know, you have to relearn that. So I tell people, first of all, chew your food. And if you need to slow down, you know, count how many times you chew. Like, chew 20 times before you swallow. Take a drink of water afterwards. Just slow down, and then it gives your brain the time to know that you're full. And then push yourself away from the plate. So I think keeping it simple and not like doing all of these fad diets will will uh, help. Um, and then, you know, what's in your pantry is what you eat. So try to shop where, where you don't have, you know, a, you know, brownies in your cabinet or ice cream in your, in your freezer because then it makes it easy if you don't have it, then you won't eat it. Sounds like a book. Unfortunately, we're out of time. The Bassani Method. How to lose weight using your mind. Dr. Bassani, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. You take care. Bye-bye. 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 For Dr. Marissa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us right here on 930 AM, The Answer. This is WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.